And church family, we're going to be over in a number of different places here this morning. I think of all the things to to, uh, to teach on, this is probably my least favorite way, but every so often you have to do the things that are necessary to to get things that we need to get into. And we want to look at what's going to make ourselves a genuine worshiper. Nothing phony, nothing fake, but to be genuine. What things must I pursue because God commands it? And what are more people or cultural driven? We need to find out those things that God would have us to pursue. We're looking at last week, David was dancing before the ark. As they were bringing the ark back to to the city, bringing it into the city, bringing it into the city of Jerusalem. And we saw that he was dancing before the Lord. He dressed himself as a priest, even though he was the king. And he had no problem with it. There were some people in his family who did. We took a look at that. But David didn't dance before the Lord because he was doing something that others wanted him to do. That's not genuine. We, in order to be genuine, we need to do the things that God asks, not the things that others ask us to do. I've got to be concerned with what God thinks, not what other people think. So we're going to be looking at a number of different scriptures. Beginning with Isaiah 25 and 1. It says, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and true. You have done wonderful things. He says, I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. This is a verse of praise from the prophet, from the prophet Isaiah. You have done wonderful things. This is the reason for it. In the New Living Translation, it reads this way, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things, you planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. In this verse, we see, first off, there's a declaration of who is my God. When we declare the things that our God has done, we are declaring who our God is. We can't keep that under wraps. Part of worship is declaring in front of people, my God, Jehovah, the Lord Almighty. He is my God. And we freely declare His works, the things that He has done. There's nothing for us to be ashamed of. Well, somebody might find out. You don't be concerned about that. Now, the enemy will come in to give us cause of doubt. He is faithful. He's going to give us cause to think that whatever it is that's going on in our life is not good. And God, it's because God has not been faithful. God has not been helpful for you. And we can lose sight of the wonderful things he has done. I've been, I've been encouraged in my life. I know I've encouraged many of you. Make sure you have places written down where you can say, what are the things that God has done for you? So that you can go back there and look them up and say, oh yeah, God did this. Oh yeah, God did this. We have to remember His wonderful things, the things that He has done. 
But we've got to keep our eyes on the wonderful things and the greatness of His planning. That's what we have to keep our eyes on. The enemy wants to get your eyes off it. It's amazing that we can mimic the people of Israel in the wilderness and yet criticize them at the same time. The children of Israel came through the Red Sea and as soon as they ran into trouble, what did they do? Oh, God forgot us. And then God miraculously gives them water. And then what do they do? When they run out of food. Oh, God forgot us. And then after that, God provides the manna and every day He provides the manna. And then they run into a group of people who wants to kill them. And what do they say? Oh, God's forgot us. And they run into a place where they run out of water again. And what do they say? Oh, God's forgot us. Every time it seemed they ran into a hard time, they forgot what God had done before. Now, it was really easy to declare the wonderful things right after the wonderful thing happened. Right after they got through the Red Sea, they they declared wonderful things. Right after they got water, I'm sure they were all happy and declared wonderful things. But the tough part is facing the tough things and declaring the wonderful things. And that's what he says we are to do. You are my God, I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. I'm sure that this is why the enemy loves to get people to give God glory and to give God honor for things that are not honorable. When a young child dies, what are people told to do? Well, I don't know what the great plan and purpose of God is. He must have some great plan and purpose. All glory be to God. And see, they're taking something bad that happened and they're giving credit to God. And then, of course, we'll glorify Him for this this thing. Something happened at work. Lost their job. Glory to God, I lost my job. He decided that he, I didn't need that job. He took it from me, whatever it might be. And we declare these things. That's not declaring wonderful things. But it is telling the people that are around the folks that declare that what kind of God they serve. Who in the world wants to serve a God who kills babies and takes your jobs away and makes you poor? We don't want to serve a God like that. Our God gives wonderful things. He gives good things. Declare them for the wonderful things. It is amazing how many people cannot see the plan of God, cannot see the hand of God when He gives us how such clear instruction as to what it is in His Word. These are the things of God. These are the things of the evil one. And I've seen very well, supposedly mature Christians. They're not. They think they are. But supposedly mature Christians walking about and all they can all they can do is look at what's going on and they can't see the hand of God in a the thing. They, they they just can't they can't oh it gets me gets me so frustrated. How is it that you can walk in the things of God and not see the hand of God on this? But that's what they are. In Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath. Well, if you've got breath, and if you have breath, you're alive. If you don't, well, you're not here anymore. But everything that has breath, praise the Lord. But praise Him for the wonderful things that He's done. Don't get up there and praise Him for all the bad things that people are doing. Don't get up there and just praise Him. Well, God, I don't know what your plan is. But I see this and this and this going on. I see this evil going on. Glory to God. You're working out something. 
No, you, un- you understand the hand of evil. Don't call the hand of evil the hand of God. You ought to be smart enough to recognize these things. The New Living Translation says, Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Well, in First Chronicles 16, verse 34, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is what? He is good, for His faithfulness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Remember when Oral Roberts came out and declared, God is a good God. Do you know he actually made some Christians mad at him for that? <laughs> I'm surprised at that. Some Christians actually got mad because he came out and declared, God is a good God. Well, what other kind of God did you think he was? It's amazing to me that was revelation to people. But it was for some. God is a good God. He is a good God. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is good. For his faithfulness is everlasting. Now, I'm sure no one here has ever experienced this, but maybe you can think of some people in the Christian church that you've talked to that have had this problem. They're sitting in a worship service and they start thinking of other things. Start thinking of what has to happen when they get home. They start thinking of what has to happen on Monday morning. They start thinking about what has to be picked up at the store. You know, these things start coming through your head. Your mind wanders. When my mind wanders to other things, I wrote this in your outline for you so you make sure you get it. Not because you need it, but you know you know other people who probably will, will need it. When my one mind wanders to other things in worship, am I not exalting their goodness over God's? If I am in a worship service declaring the goodness of God and something else comes to my mind and I start putting attention to it, am I not declaring that that thing is, is good and that goodness right now is better than the goodness of my God? That's why it's got your attention. Your attention gets taken over to whatever you see as good in your life. It's just like, you know, if you were, if you were a sports fan and you were in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you heard the sport announcer for whatever team you were watching get excited, what happens? What happens to your attention to the conversation? If you're a sports fan. If you're not a sports fan, you don't even care. But if you're a sports fan, what happens to the attention? Why? Because something gooder is happening over here. I mean, this is good, but this is gooder. I'm going to put my attention over here. It grabs our attention. The devil just loves to throw things in your head to try and get you to think they're gooder. This is gooder than what you got. Come on, think over here. Think on this. And our attention goes from worshiping God, singing the song that we're singing, and all of a sudden it's it's gone to something else. I mean, have you ever sung a worship song and after you got done said, what did I just sing about? What, what was that about? No, we need, to, we need to get saturated in the words that we're singing. We need to be thinking about the goodness of our God, how good He is, that there is nothing gooder at the time. My thoughts need to be on Him. And that's where we need to go. He says again in this verse, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His faithfulness is everlasting. 
the New Living Translation, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Well, God, your God, He loves you. He is faithful. The enemy is always trying to get you to question His love, question His faithfulness, question whether He's coming through for you on whatever it is that you're facing. Always trying to work that in there. Don't let Him work that in. You always focus on what is good. Always stay focused on on God. Don't let Him distract you. Don't be saying with your attention, well, I'm going to give my attention over here to this for a minute. No. Because really, can if you're in church service worshiping God, if you think about that grocery list that you have to get, does it change? Does stuff get magically put into your into your house? You still have to go out there and take care of it. Can't take care of it now. Can't do anything about it now. Can you change how Monday morning is going to start by thinking about it now? No. We're not going to be able to help these things out. But somehow the enemy is always able to distract us with these things. Don't let them do it. Get in there. Get into worship. And and just focus on Him. Focus on Him. This is what we need to do. Push everything else out. When David was there dancing before the ark, dancing before the Lord, there was nothing else on his mind. You can't go through all day like that. I understand that. You can't go through all day and that's all you're focusing on. There are other times that you have to focus on other things. But there's there's portions of your day, certainly there's portions of Sunday morning, where we just dedicate it. Then this is my worship time. This is my time. We're all together. We're all here to worship God. And we just focus on worshiping God and we push everything else out. And that's how we need to go. We need to push everything else out. Now on Sunday morning, not everybody in church can focus, can push everything else out. There, there are some people that they're involved in stuff. There are some people that they're involved in, um, in, in playing their instruments and uh, leading people in worship. Uh, there's people that are involved in, in uh, the different aspects of, of getting church st- stuff going on. Making sure that the needs are taken care of. Well, there's some of that going on, but <clears throat> if you get into one of those positions, you ought to be mature enough that you can get on out there, all right, I can get over here and take care of this, now I can worship again. And you get yourself back into the worship. And you put yourself back into that worship. Don't, don't look for excuses. Look for a way to get it done. My mind wanders to other things in worship. Am I not exalting their goodness over God's? Don't exalt their goodness over God's. Now, if you were Paul and Silas over in Acts chapter 16 and verse 13, when it said, And on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple for the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord come to my house and stay so she persuaded us now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us we brought her masters much profit by fortune telling this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation and this she did for many days but Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and he came out that very hour. If you ever thought just because you were annoyed you were wrong, that may not be the case. 
You can get annoyed apparently for spiritual things. You can also get annoyed for fleshly things. This seemed to be something spiritual. This uh, had been going on for a number of days, but something came upon Paul at this point. And he went out there and he cast that demon out of her. And when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They didn't care that the woman was free. They didn't care that her life was made better. All they cared about is we can't make money off her anymore. Of course, if they were that concerned about it, why'd they have her chasing after Paul? And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their robes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Well, when you listen to some people talk about worship, unless you are carrying on, dancing and and everything else, you are not, you're you're not going to raise this kind of a response. But here it is, he's in shackles. Which means he can't be doing a whole lot. But he could sing. They could sing a hymn. They could praise. And they did that. And apparently it shook the very foundation of the whole jail. And quite an interesting little earthquake. Just the uh, locks on their uh, on their chains fell off and the doors to the prisons opened up. Now that's that's kind of weird, isn't it? The walls don't fall down, but the doors open up. So the jailer knew, boy, this was something else. And it spoke to him. But there he was. He, he didn't have the use, uh, probably his hands either, but at least his feet were in, in shackles. But he could still worship the Lord. And still, the thing came. Now, would you be more focused on what was going on now? Or would you be able to be focused on the wonderful things that God has done? Would you be focusing on the beating that you just took? Or would you be focusing on, well, look at Silas, just think of all the things we've done. Now, Silas is a newcomer to the team. He uh, he, he took Barnabas' spot. And so this is uh, one of the earlier places that they're at. So he's just kind of getting introduced to this. And here we get beat and we get thrown in prison. And we didn't really get a whole lot of success out there in the city. Paul, is this what we had to look forward to? He's over there praising God. He seems happy. He seems content with the results that we've got here. Uh, he hasn't been on, 
on all the other things, seen all the stuff that had gone on. But he stayed with them. Sometimes it's when we're in the midst of some tough things in life, it's easy for us to begin to praise God for bad things. Well, God, I thank you that we were found worthy to be put in prison. That we were found worthy to be beaten. Now, there's one place in Scripture where they are glad uh, they proclaim that, but they also proclaim the Lord's deliverance. And they also proclaim the freedom that they had that came from Him. They're not going to be, they tried to put us, they tried to threaten us. We didn't, we didn't even feel their threats. Uh uh-uh. uh. Why? Because they have that freedom in God. This is what they're praising God about. Oh, let them come after us with what they have. Don't fear the enemy. Get out there and praise God. There's all kinds of worship that we are involved in. There's some corporate worship, times when we get together like this, and we all worship together. That's a little different from when you're worshiping by yourself. When you're worshiping by yourself, you can, you don't get to tune out everything quite as much, especially if you're driving. If you're driving, don't please don't tune out everything. There are some things that you need to, to focus on when you're driving. Doesn't mean that you can't worship God when you're driving. Now in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the, and the, I'm sorry, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. So even though all this stuff is empty, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm not rejoicing because they're empty. I'm rejoicing despite the fact that they're empty. Don't ever give credit to God for something He didn't do. Don't rejoice for God for things He didn't do. He didn't necessarily bring that thing on you. But I'll show you how to get out of it. I'll show you how to help. And worship Him for that. The enemy wants you to worship for the wrong reasons. Don't let him steer you in those directions. Stay clear of it. I am worshiping God for the wonderful things. I'm worshiping God because of His goodness. I'm not worshiping God for this other stuff. Don't worship God for that. Don't fall into the the trap that the enemy lays for people. Well, you ought to be humble. Well, you ought to be submissive. Well, you just ought to go with God's plan and just give Him praise for all this stuff. Don't be doing it. That's kind of like uh, what Job's wife was used to tempt him with. Curse God and die. In other words... Credit all this stuff to the Lord and then die. Don't give credit to the, to the Lord for things he didn't do. And we know from the book of Job that God didn't do those things. Your worship should not be determined by what you have. That's not why we worship. You should be able to see him even when you can't see his works. Even though I can't see the work of God in front of me right now, I can still see Him. I should be able to see that. That's something that you need to, to develop as a Christian as you're walking on. I trust Him, so any lack will not throw me. But you see, the enemy wants lack to throw you and so that you don't trust Him. But no, I trust Him, so any lack won't throw me. I love Him, so I don't need good things going on at a time to praise Him. Because I remember... The wonderful things. Oh, I remember the devil comes up and he, tra- he starts telling you, 
look at your situation. Look how bad this is. Look at what all is going on. And you just sit back there and say, boy, I remember the things that he did. Mm. Remember just last month, this happened. Oh, remember last year? when that? Oh, glory to God, that was the hand of God. And you just start declaring all the wonderful things he does. Boy, that makes the devil mad. He doesn't ever want that to go on. He wants you to think that your situation now is it. It's over. Just like he did with Israel. Oh, there's no water. We're going to die. Why can't we just die in Egypt? Don't be like Israel. I love him, so I don't need good things to praise him. Glory to God, he's bringing me good things, but I don't need good things to praise him. I know him, so I won't blame him for what he did not do. I know him. I'm not going to blame him for what he did not do. I know this is not the hand of my God. I know this is, this is not the thing that he would do. I know my God. This is not his handiwork. In Psalm 105, pull that up on the screen if you would. Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Don't make known the devil's deeds and give them credit to God. Make known his deeds. So first off, you've got to find out what are his deeds, what has he done. And then go out there and make them known among the people. That's a form of worship. Get out there and declaring the things that God has done. Get out there and declare it. Let people know. In Psalm 71 and verse 8, Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Let me read it to you in two other translations. The Christian Standard Bible. My mouth is full of praise and honor to you all day long. New Living Translation. This is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. Your mouth should be filled with the praises of God. Here, we're told, let your mouth be filled with the praises of God all day long. All day long, be filled with the praises of God. Except sometimes we take time off to complain. Except sometimes I take time to yell at something. Yell at the car because it didn't start. Yell at the lawnmower because it didn't start. Yell at the computer. Yell at the phone. Yell at the blender. Yell at the oven. Burn something. You know, there's all kinds of equipment. It's not working right. What do we do? We yell at it. We complain about it. We Sometimes we even curse it. Not, you don't have to use cuss words to, to curse the thing. You can just simply say, Oven, you never work the way I need you to work. You're always burning stuff. You're always cooking stuff wrong. Especially these newfound fangled ones. They don't, they don't have dials. You know, they're, they're all, all push buttons. I was over on Thursday night. We were watching the kids over at, uh, at their house. And she has a... ...be stern about things. There are times that you have to... That, that Jesus was stern with people. And he apparently could still do that and still just say the things that his father said. There are sometimes you'll, you'll need to have that. But most times we're being stern with the lawnmower. Most times we're being stern with the computer, the phone. Most times that we're being uh, that way with kitchen appliances. We're not declaring the praises of God. 
I got to make sure. This is what it says. It doesn't not say that in your Bible. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. See, worship is a lifestyle. It takes different forms and different aspects of time. When we're in corporate worship, it goes one direction. But when we're alone, it goes in in another direction. But even when I am not singing a song, outwardly worshiping in a song, my mouth still needs to be filled with the praises of God. It still needs to go in a direction. This way. Don't be... Some of the ways that we even talk with each other. We're mean. We're harsh. But, yeah, but that's just my family. Make sure that you don't do that. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. See, sometimes we're trying to figure out what's wrong with my life. Why is my life not going the right way? Why is it not happening the, the right thing over here? And sometimes it's just because... We have our mouths filled with His praise half the day. And the other half of the day is filled with other things. When we're gossiping about other Christians, are we filled with His praise? Are we declaring His greatness? Mm-mm. Don't be doing it. That's why the enemy loves to pull you into this, these things. Don't let them do that. So I made this note here for you at the end. In order for praise and worship... To be genuine. It must be about wonderful things. I've got to declare the wonderful things. If praise and worship is going to be genuine. I have to attribute to God the things that are God's. Don't attribute to God the things that are the devil's. Attribute to God the things that are God's. And leave it at that. In order for praise and worship to be genuine, it must be about the wonderful things. In uh, Psalm 103, verse 1, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. All my inmost being. That means everything that's on the inside of you, you are tied into this worship. When you've got all your inmost being involved and all your outward being involved, you are involved. If you look at some of the way some people at the uh, stadium in the sports complexes are involved in watching their team play, whatever team it might be. And I'm not trying to put anybody in condemnation. You shouldn't be doing that. It's, uh, it's just that when you were in the sports complex, you watched some of these people. You know, I, I've seen some of them on TV. I mean, they are all in. They're painted in the colors of their sports team. They're wearing the shirts and the hats and the coats of their sports team. They are hollering. They are jumping. They are completely involved on the outside. If you tried and called them, if they could hear the phone, would they answer it? No. No, we are involved. If the enemy tried to come along, not that he would, but if the enemy tried to come along and distract them with thoughts outside of the game that they're watching, would they be successful? No. No. No, No, because they are completely involved, all on the inside. Everything on the inside of them is focused on what is happening on the field. And everything on the outside 
is focused on what is happening on the field. And they declare with their mouth what they expect to happen. It's amazing how many faith people are turned into, are, are turned, turned on when the whistle blows and the game starts. They're declaring touchdowns and home runs and, I mean, before they even happen, we are declaring those things. And so, we're gonna score. I know it. I can feel we're gonna score on this one. But you get into the church, and we're not quite as involved. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. All my inmost being. You gotta get everything on the inside of you. The enemy knows this. That's why he keeps trying to hit you with other thoughts, with other things while worship is going on. While you said, I'm going to dedicate this time and just worship my God. Just worship Him. Isn't it amazing how you can sit and watch a two-hour movie and not be bothered by all those things, but you come in the church for a 30-40 minute worship service and all those things can be coming and hitting you? Why is that? Because the enemy don't care about that two-hour movie. He does care about that worship service. In Psalm 63, 1, we're going to read more of this psalm later, but here's verse 1. This was a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. We looked at some of that. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now most of the time he's in this wilderness of Judah is when he's running from Saul. He's got somebody chasing him, trying to get him, trying to kill him, trying to kill his men. And he's over here saying, You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Well, he's in the wilderness. There's no water there. It's dry. It's thirsty. But he's saying, No, no. I may be in this physically, but my soul is thirsty for God. It needs that feed from God. Sometimes Christians can go through their entire spiritual life and never experience what it is to be thirsty for God. Never know what it's like to, to have that longing. Oh, I've got to have, got to have God. They never know the satisfaction when you get around a bunch of other believers and you start worshiping the Lord, how that satisfies, how that just seems to hit the spot. The New Living Translation reads it this way, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. My whole body longs for you. Everything that is on the inside of me longs for you. This is what worship can satisfy. Now, don't think that if you get into a certain depth of worship that this is satisfied. Ah, no. The more you get into worship, the more you long for this presence. Oh, I've had that presence before. Mm. Oh, I long for that presence. Oh, I just want to be in that presence of, of God because I've had it before. And the more often that you have it, you want to get back in there and you want to get into that. Oh, God, I did just want to be in your presence. 
Psalm 143, verse 6, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. I spread out my hands for you. There are places in the Word of God talks about lifting up hands, raising your hands. I spread out my hands to you. Why in the world should I do that? I feel funny doing that. But that's what the, the Word of God tells us to do. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. New living. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Just waiting. Just waiting for that presence of God. When it comes down, we just take that right in. Now in Psalm 42, verse 11, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him the help of my countenance and my God. Hope in God, for I shall praise Him. He says, why are you cast down? He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down? Why are you depressed, so to speak? New Living Translation puts it this way. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. It is a hard thing for you to find a way for you to have been discouraged, for you to have been uh, in this state without having put your hope into something different. Even though it might seem spiritual, you put your hope into something different. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in Him. Sometimes we look at how people are going, how man is carrying on in this world. And we can lose hope. Oh, God, I thought that the light of the gospel was turning things around. Oh, I thought people were having their hearts changed. And we can lose hope. Don't have your hope in people. Have your hope in God. That's what he says here. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. He's telling himself this. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. I will praise Him. Or as the New Living said, I will praise Him again. See, right now I'm not praising Him. I got discouraged. He got down. I Have you ever heard people talk about, you know, the wilderness experience? That every Christian goes through a wilderness experience. I may have ever heard that. Every Christian goes through a wilderness experience. Yeah, every time I hear people teaching that, it gets me mad. It gets me spiritually mad. I get upset. Because these po- these people that preach this are not consistent with Scripture. And they say, well, you know, wilderness experiences were in Scripture. Israel, they had a wilderness experience. How many know Israel had a wilderness experience? Oh, yeah, yeah. Elijah, he had a wilderness experience. How many know Elijah had a wilderness experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many know Moses? He had a wilderness experience. How many know Moses had a wilderness experience? How many know that Jesus, he had a wilderness experience? You know, they get the whole crowd all worked up. They're all getting excited. Yeah, yeah, he did, he did. Yeah, you want to know what? When Israel went through a wilderness experience, God showed up every day and gave them food. God showed up every day in a pillar of fire over them, keep them warm at night. God showed up every day with a pillar of cloud over top of them and covered them all day long. God showed up all the time, maybe not every day, but quite consistently talking to Moses face to face in the wilderness. God took them through Red Seas. Brought water out of rocks. Destroyed enemies in their path. How many miracles did He do in the wilderness? 
How many wonder wilderness experience like that? <laughs> Glory to God. That's a good wilderness experience right there. God wasn't missing. He wasn't not talking to anybody. But they would try and teach you wilderness experience. You know, you go to those times when God's not saying anything. God's not talking to you. Hogwash! Don't buy into that. Moses had a wilderness experience. And guess what happened to him in that wilderness? God showed up in a burning bush because he couldn't get his attention any other way. And then they had all those many miracles that happened on there right by the burning bush. Jesus had a wilderness experience for 40 days and 40 nights. So spiritual was it, he didn't even hunger. How many wonder wilderness experience like that? Elijah had a wilderness experience. And it started off with him eating some angel food cake. And he went on the strength of that food. I, I mean, that's some kind of food. And then when he gets to the place that God wanted him to get to, what happened? God shows up. God talks to him. God tells him some stuff. He wasn't silent. Don't ever think that it's God's will for him just to not talk to you for a while. Could you imagine this? If you're you're growing up and your parents say, well, you know, it's it's time for me to help you to mature and to grow, so we're going to go through a wilderness experience and I will not talk to you for 40 years. 40 days, 40 weeks, whatever. You know, pick out 40. 40 is obviously spiritual. Would you do that? No. We wouldn't do that. As a parent, you always want to be talking to your kids. Kids may not always want to be talking to you. But we always want to talk to them. Don't be buying into that. Don't be believing this this garbage stuff. Wilderness experience. Most people ought to have a wilderness experience like that. Let God show up in their life. See, your hope went to the wrong place here. Don't get your hope into the wrong place. It would be hard-pressed for you to find a time in your life when you were discouraged, when you were distraught, that your hope was not in the wrong place. Your hope was not fixed where it needed to be fixed. And because of that hope that was lost, fell into despair. Our hope can become in our efforts. Our hope can be found in our circumstances instead of His promises. Sometimes you look at our circumstances, well, my hope was there instead of His promises. The circumstances aren't lining up with the promises. My hope can be Lost in the world's supply instead of his riches. Don't let it go that direction. Now, in order for praise and worship to be genuine, it must come from inside, not just be outwardly visible. In order, in order for praise and worship to be genuine, it must come from the inside, not just be outwardly visible. I've, I've seen people I've watched some people in ministry. You know, they're, they're in the church service. They're in the worship service. They're sitting there just calm and just worshiping God. Which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. And then somebody hands them a microphone. And now all of a sudden, they're all about the outward. And they're dancing. And they're shouting. And they're doing all sorts of stuff. And then sometimes they even watch them after the microphone is removed from them. And they go back down to sit in their chair. You know what they do? Same thing they were doing before. 
See, if that's the only thing that gets you outward going, it's because the spotlight got put on you. That's not genuine. It has to come from the inside and not just be outwardly visible. I put another one in here too for you. In order for praise and worship to be genuine, it must be constant, not conjured up in the moment. I've got to stay in the place of worship. My mouth is to always be filled with His praises. If I start being selfish and speaking words to another person that are selfish words, something on the inside of me ought to go off. That's not worship. You're not in a worshipful mood. You're being selfish. Oh, I am. And we immediately stop it. Curtail it and we, we go in the direction that we're supposed to go. Don't, don't be letting that sort of stuff happen. Now in Psalm 63, let's read the rest of this. A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. You you all may know that song. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My thing skipped ahead here. My mouth shall praise you. With joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. In fact, you're not kept up at night because of worries, cares, and concerns. You're kept up at night because you're meditating on the goodness of your God. That's a whole, whole nother animal in it. Many people are kept up at night because they're worried. Because they're fearful. Because these other things that come around, they're crowding, crowding in. And it's, causing them to be at unrest. But if you can be on your bed, just be, oh God, I'm just so excited thinking about all the things that you're doing. It keeps, it's keeping me up. That's what he's talking about here. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. He has been your help. Never forget, he has been your help. How much would God have loved it if Israel said in the wilderness, God, we have no water. But that's alright, you took care of us before. You'll take care of us again. God, we have no food. I don't know what your, your plan is. But I thank you that you have one. And just give him praise. Oh boy. I would love to have seen what would happen if they could have done that. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Who's trying to seek his life and destroy it? And we looked over those people, weren't we? Not only Saul, but also other people decided to betray him, to get in with Saul. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. But the king shall rejoice in God. I wonder if he's talking about himself right there. He's not the king yet, but he may see himself as so. See, praise and worship is a way of life. It's not something we pick up here and there. Some people it is. But it's not something we're supposed to pick up here and there. It's not something that we show 
how spiritual we are. Oh, everybody, look how spiritual I am. Look at how I can dance. Look at how I can run. Look at how I can raise my hands. Look at how I can shout. But it doesn't come from inside. It's all outward. It's all external. Praise and worship is a way of life. It's not something we use to get what we want. Well, God, you know, I need this miracle, so I'm going to really get into the worship service today. I'm not going to let anything pull me out because I need you to work a miracle. So I'm really going to get into... No, praise and worship is not a way for you to get what you need. Praise and worship is a way of life. It's not something that you just... Well, here and there I worship God when I can. It's not something that we use to show all other people how spiritual we are. And it's not something that we use to get what we want. You see, this needs to get in us. It needs to drive out all the parts that are not honorable to a man or a woman of God. When that worship gets on the inside of you, it just drives out everything that is not honorable. We get that worship in us. I didn't even know that wasn't honorable. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it's pushed out. Oh, I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm not comfortable thinking that way. I'm not comfortable going in that direction. And it's not that the praise and worship that I'm walking in makes me so that I am now the judge of other people. You won't judge other people. If you walk in this, you won't judge other people. You don't go around saying, well, you ought to be doing... If you did this, that wouldn't be a problem for you. No, you don't walk in that way because that's dishonorable. That's not walking in honor. You got to walk the way God wants. You got to get this in you. When you get this praise and worship in you, it changes you. It alters you. You can see this in the natural. When you look at people that are, you look at people in the natural, they're wrestlers. Anybody ever know a wrestler? If you ever known a wrestler, wrestlers are built different than other people. They're not built like a bodybuilder. They're built like a wrestler. And if you've ever wrestled, you know some things to look at. The, the figure, they just, they look at things differently. Uh, my wife was a ballerina. Ballerinas, dancers, they look at life differently. They look at life through this. They have different ways of, of moving. They, they move different. My wife sometimes will look at somebody and say, oh, they must be a dancer just because of the way that they're, that they're moving. There's a, there's a, there's a way that they're going on there. That's, uh, it's just something that's going on. You know, I was a cross-country runner. I wasn't just a runner. I was a cross-country runner. Now, for all us cross-country runners, we don't always identify other people. We don't always ask them, you know, were you a cross-country runner? Because if they weren't, we don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> Track runners are different. Fitness runners are different. Cross-country runners, we are a different breed of people. And, and we think differently. We look at stuff differently. It's amazing how many cross-country runners I would talk to. We all think about the same stuff. We all, we all look at situation. We look at things. I can always just, I can tell, talking to somebody, you ran cross-country, didn't you? I know it. Because I, I can always sense it just in the way that they're doing things, just the way they go about stuff. You see, it gets in you. And it takes you over. Praise and worship is to get in you take you over and people will be able to say you have been with God. All those things have been driven out of you. You have been with God. When you can get this praise and worship in you, it will change your life. It'll drive out those things that are not honorable. Now I want to read you a story about a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. 
How many remember Nebuchadnezzar? How many remember the dream he had? This is the other one. Did you know he had two dreams? Most of us know the one dream that he had that Daniel came in and interpreted it. Right? He had a different dream. This is the other dream. Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. This is Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts of my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the mag- magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told him the dream before him, saying, Now, if you know the first dream happening, you already know this is a little bit different. Because here he tells them the dream. In the first one, he didn't tell them the dream. This is a different dream. Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen in its interpretation. These were the visions on my head while on my bed I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens and I could it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. That's quite a tree. Its leaves were lovely. Its fruit abundant. And in it was, was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches. And all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed. And there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Balthazar, declare its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Sounds like he's got some history with him, doesn't it? And Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do you not let the dream, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could 
be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and the riches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. Inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven, saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men dwelling... Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules." Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my power, might, and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar, who is He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? The same time my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. See, this is the man who was given a warning in a dream. And Daniel gave the interpretation. It said, O king, may this be for your enemies. He said, but repent. Do good to the poor. He gave him some things to do. But apparently Nebuchadnezzar didn't do it. Even though he had great respect for Daniel. And this dream disturbed him. He didn't do it. And he stayed going in the direction that he was going. And 12 months later, he's walking about talking about how great his kingdom was. And the voice fell from heaven. And what happened in the dream came about. 
But after the time passed, his senses returned to him and he repented and declared the goodness of, of God. So he called him the king of heaven. To walk in genuine praise and worship. I put in your outline here. You can fill this in if you like. To walk in genuine praise and worship will change your life. If you're only playing around, if you only want to just give God what you want to give Him, if you don't want to get your entire inner being involved, if you only want to get so embarrassed, if you're concerned about how other people think about you, then the worship won't change your life. If the enemy can sow thoughts and get you distracted during the worship time, then worship won't change your life. You won't ever know what it's like to be so parched for the presence of God. You see, we're not talking about a parchedness that happens because you've been days and weeks and not hearing the voice of God. No. God, you just spoke to me yesterday, but I need to hear from you today. Oh, I'm hungry to hear, hungry to hear from you today. And the more you hear from Him, the more you want to hear. People of honor do not blame God for bad stuff. Dishonoring his name while honoring themselves by proclaiming how much they have wrongfully suffered. How many Christians are out there? Oh, I, I shouldn't have to do this, but I've endured this. Glory be to God. Declaring what they have done, what they have been through. And in, in essence saying how much God is unjust in doing these things to them or allowing these things to happen. That's not a person of honor. You gotta to get to a higher level of honor. We gotta proclaim the goodness of God. Our daily words give away our worship status. Are you a part-time worshiper? Are you a full-time worshiper? Listen to your daily words. Your words will identify you. Look at the words that you say. Are you always looking for the, the good in things? Are you speaking about the good of other people? Or do you find their faults? Do you amplify their faults? Do you declare disaster every time something doesn't work right? Or do you talk about all the wonderful things God has done in the past and how He will bring it about in the future? These are things that will identify what kind of a worshiper you are. Part-time, full-time, maybe even no-time. Do we have words of yelling at things and people? Complaining about what I don't have, what I do have? Proclaiming things of e- as evil? Or things of evil as things of God? Don't be walking in this way. Worship is here to transform you. But you have to let it. And as long as you're just kind of a little bit involved, it won't change you. You've got to get completely involved. You've got to get yourself completely immersed. It's got to take over everything that you do. Just like we did it in the, in the natural when natural things took us. People in ballet, ballet took over everything in their life. People who were the great swimmers, the, the Mark Spitz, the um, uh, Phelps, Michael Phelps, these, uh, these, these people swimming took over their life. They're up at incredibly early hours in the morning swimming and then swimming again and then swimming again doing things. Golfers, golfing took over their life. They thought golf. 
They breathe golf. They're always out there trying to improve something in that. You are a worshiper of the Most High God. It needs to completely engulf you. When you get together in, in worship, nothing else should be a, on your focus. This is corporate worship. Corporate worship has to demand your full attention. You're not driving in the car. You're not pushing the shopping cart. You're not making dinner. You are immersed in worship. There's other times when you're going through life and the devil wants you to get to be focused on the things that are happening in your life. Don't. Don't. Be mindful of the wonderful things. God is faithful. He is a faithful, loving God. He sees where I am. And no matter where I am, I see the hand of God. And just like David did in his life, you can declare in the wilderness of Judah, while people are chasing you, praise and worship to God. I mean, if David could do that in his situation, how much more can we do it in ours? These things changed David. It took him from someone that no one thought would become anything. And he became the greatest king in Israel's history. The greatest king they ever had of a man was in David. And God said, David, I'm going to make of you an enduring house. And the Christ, the Messiah, would come and he would reign. But no king before that ever came close to David. Everyone is compared to David. Even Solomon was compared to David. Every king was compared to him because worship got inside of David and it transformed him. Will you let worship do the same for you? No matter where you are as a worshiper, there's someone somewhere further to get. Let God stir you in that direction. Let Him become everything that you think of when you are involved in worship. That you were able to push out every other thought because nothing is gooder than my God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your wonderful works. We declare all that you have done for us, all that you have done for others, we declare it to the generation that we are in. We want your worship to take us over. And when we get involved in worship with you, there is nothing that is greater Nothing that can come into our thoughts. Everything is about you. When we come together as a corporate worship time, this is the time we can practice not letting anything get in our way. We just focus on you. The enemy will try. But we push all that out. We focus on you. Worshiping you. We think about the words that we're singing because we are declaring something. 
We're letting worship transform us. Make us into the believers that you see us to become. Our worship is a powerful tool. With David, we see the ups and downs in his life. But even those times when he fell and went down, worship brought him back. It drove out all those things that were foreign, all those things that were not to be a part of him. And it will do the same thing for us. We may look at ourselves as good worshipers of our God. But we want you to take us to another level. A higher level in worship than we have been before. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like that song. Can we sing it? is good there is no one is merciful there is no one is loving no one is kind no one as mindful who we are what we are to become there is no one like you I thank you Father for the path that you have laid out for us Take us to a higher place in worship in our own life. Driving out everything that shouldn't be there. And replacing it with wonderful things. Give me the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, don't just wait for next Sunday. Be worshipful. Be worship-minded all through the week. Remember, when other words want to come out that are not honoring to God, that don't glorify God, I am a full-time worshiper. And be a full-time worshiper. It will change your life. This morning we have the prayer class that will go on around 1 o'clock. If you want to go out and get something to eat, you need it here in the kitchen, you can eat it out there where you get it, whatever you want to do if you brought lunch with you. Feel free to eat that back there. We'll have that going on somewhere around 1 o'clock. That will start. And uh, have a great rest of the week. Thank you for being part of our day. Oh, one more thing. If you haven't, don't forget the uh, Awaken America tour is going on. It's, it's coming up here in uh, the 19th and to be this weekend. So if you want to get on there, on that bus, it's a chartered bus. And it's just going to go right on out there over to Michigan and do this. Uh, the flyer is back there. We have other ones. You can always take one if you uh, want to do that. Uh, Andy, who was out here a couple weeks ago, he's the one putting it on.
and uh, if you'd like to get a hold of that, that, that is available for you. Have a great week.